0: Welcome to the Outward OPC podcast. Outward OPC is a work of the Committee on Home Missions, and it exists to encourage zeal for reaching the lost and to be a tool for the OPC and other Reformed churches to be more effective in reaching people outside the church. You can check out the website at outwardopc.com for articles, videos, and tools to help you and your church be more outward in your ministry. Now on with today's episode. Brad Herzog here for Outward OPC. Today, I have Ralph Rebant with me. Ralph is the pastor of Oakland Hills Community Church, an OPC church in Farmington Hills, Michigan, just outside the Detroit area. And just a heads up to listeners, we broke up this interview into two parts, and this is part two, so we are jumping right into the middle of the conversation. How about, you know, people, even people who are unchurched have a view of church service, it may not be what our services look like if i could just extend that question how do you welcome people kind of through the worship service through you know we we've got commitments about preaching we've got commitments for example about the lord's supper do you do you think about that and do you do anything in particular knowing that you've got this consistent category of people coming in and visiting to 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 welcome them all the way through till the time they leave and, and go out the door
1: One of the things that I say almost every Sunday is that if you are here today, as I mentioned earlier in this uh, interview, uh, this is a moment that God has ordained for you. God has numbered the hairs of your head according to what Jesus tells us in the New Testament. And the beauty of Christianity is that God calls people from every tribe, nation, kindred, and tongue. He calls us to unite in his son and find that commonality that we have because we are brothers and sisters in christ i I say that almost every sunday and when people hear that it doesn't matter if they're black or white or egyptian or italian They, they it's a welcoming statement that we make from the pulpit or that i make from the pulpit every every sunday the intentionality of reaching people verbally throughout the service there will be times when i'll say things like some of you may have never heard this message before or even considered the the value of a life that Jesus had died for to redeem. You know, I, I use the word you frequently because I want them to know that I'm speaking to them and the opportunities that they have being in a church, maybe for the only time or for the first time, to hear of the welcoming love of our Heavenly Father. And so I share that that news as a positive thing, and it, it resonates with people, and they feel welcome not only because of the people at the front door, but they feel welcome in the presence of God. Yeah, on that second part about um, the, the Lord's Supper, we do fence the table, uh, but even in the fencing of it, I make it sound welcoming, that if you're here for the first time and you don't understand what uh, the Lord's Supper is all about, or you've never made a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ and are a member of a Bible-believing church, we would encourage you not to take this uh, this table, uh, the, the elements, because Paul says whoever takes these unworthily eats and drinks judgment to himself. We'd love to talk to you about who Jesus is and what all this means, even if it is unfamiliar to you. But if you are a member of a Bible-believing church and you are here visiting as a guest for the first time, we'd love to have you join us at the table of the Lord because it's not the table of Oakland Hills Community Church, but it's the Lord's table.
0: Maybe a little bit of a shift in gears again. You mentioned that you're a chaplain and you mentioned a couple uh, a couple of places that you're a chaplain. I wonder if you'd mind sharing a little bit about um, how long you've been doing that, what it's been like, how it fits into a busy Pastor of a Reformed church, just kind of work work out a little bit about. Obviously, we know the benefits of connecting the community, but just kind of work out how you've thought about that, how it's gone, and how it's encouraged you, and and share with others who may be, you know thinking about things like that, but not sure if they want to really take the step in.
1: Chaplaincy in law enforcement is an amazing opportunity for every pastor in any community, and I've been doing this for thirty some years now as a police chaplain. And the neatest thing is that when guys that I've built relationships with are going through a difficult time and they show up at my door and they say, Chaplain, can you ride with me for an hour? And I say, sure. It, it, when they do that, believe me, you drop everything that you're, <laughs> you're doing mm. and you get in the yeah. car. And um, I've done that n- numerous times. Uh, if I'm riding with officers, I will invariably make the statement, not usually on the first occasion, but if I ride with them again, it does happen on the first. But if I ride with them, I'll say, you know, your job is one of the most difficult jobs on the planet, and I'm not sure if I could do it. And they ask me why, and I say, well, I I, I don't even know how you do it. And the reason why I say that is because um, you know every police uh, call, every roadside stop, could be your last one, and. Not knowing where you go when you, maybe you do know where you're going to go when you uh, step out of this life. I don't say when you die, but when you step out of this life into the next, maybe you do or don't know where you're going. But I said, I don't know. If I didn't know where I was going, I wouldn't be able to do your job. And that opens the door for me to share my faith with Christ, uh, with with, them, about Christ. The chaplaincy thing uh, as a pastor has been probably one of the most rewarding aspects of my ministry here there are times when in ministry we are so down as pastors we're so discouraged it kind of reminds me of this story of uh, abraham lincoln where he's you know the things i don't know if you know what were found in his pocket on the day he was assassinated but there were just a few minor things but one of them was a newspaper article from a uh, editor uh, it was an editorial comment in a british newspaper where um it said that lincoln was one of the most outstanding presidents that the United States has ever had. And you can imagine the loneliness that he experienced in the Oval Office and the difficulty that he faced um, making tough decisions. And he was finding solace from an article from somebody over in Europe uh, to encourage his heart and soul. And as a pastor, chaplaincy uh, does that. When I walk into the department and they say, hey, Rev, how you doing? You know, Good to see you. Uh, can we get together and talk? Uh, it, it's such a positive respect that they give when sometimes even in Reformed churches, we don't get that respect. But when people who are outside of the church know who you are and they respect what you're doing, uh, it's, it's a tremendous encouragement. I actually, uh, as I said, I'm the chaplain of Farmington Hills Police Department. I'm the chaplain for Beverly Hills uh, Public Safety, which involves police and fire. And I'm the chaplain for the Michigan Chiefs of Police. Three years ago, I was asked to present Leadership from Above. Uh, It was a 50-minute presentation on biblical principles for leadership. I ended with the gospel. I ended with Jesus and how his leadership style transformed the world and everybody knows who he is. It was a servant leadership, and it was willing to die for those whom we serve. And I said that transforms lives, and so I shared the gospel through that. This coming February, next month, on the 10th, I'm going to be presenting a 50-minute presentation to the Michigan Chiefs of Police on In God We Trust. And I'm dealing with our national motto, uh, its historical development, its legal benefits and support. And then the moral, spiritual benefits of having that phrase on the back of every police car, every marked police car in Michigan. So that's my prayer that uh, the chiefs will grasp that significance. uh, uh, Not having the state as the final authority, but recognizing that God alone is the final authority. Um, I'm going to present how that will transform their outlook in their department, as well as uh, how to transform Policing in the community, and it will actually be a powerful statement to our nation's heritage.
0: Yeah, thanks for that. Um, clearly, that's been sort of foundational for you and your involvement in the community. Do you do, you, do, you do, you do any other things, even on a smaller scale, uh, over the years to get kind of out and about? I mean, obviously, you've got your friend group and people that you encounter, but do you do anything else intentionally as a pastor? to kind of get yourself out there in the community and get to know people that, that you have found to be helpful to just build relationships and, and have people know who you are and who the church sure. is? Sure. Yeah, that, that's a great question. Over the years, um, I have
1: done, I've coached Little League Baseball uh, with my sons and daughter growing up. Uh, that was probably a 10 or 12 year stint where I got involved in, uh, coaching. I also got on the board of South Farmington baseball. I coached travel league teams that enabled me to be involved with kids even after the season. Um, I was involved in Farmington families in action, which is a, uh, it started out as a say no to drugs, uh, week here in Farmington Hills. That's actually the event that put us as a church on the map. Uh, When the the only thing you had was yellow pages and it got printed once a year, Uh, we came in right after the printing. So we had 11 months before we could even get our name in the yellow pages. But uh, this Say No to Drugs uh, Week, actually, we were interviewed by the local 2, 4, and 7, which is ABC, NBC, and CBS, uh, when we put on an event for the community and we had somewhere around 250 people at that event. I'm also on the board of uh, SAFE right now. SAFE stands for Suicide Awareness for Everyone. Um, There are churches that don't want to address this issue. Uh, There are denominations that, you know, it it doesn't happen. Uh, You know, there, there are all kinds of different responses to that. So I'm a pastor on this committee, and it gives me an opportunity as Even uh, one of our most recent meetings, I made the statement. you know, as I've been listening and being on this committee for years uh, It's been interesting that we we don't even talk about God And if people young people in particular who are committing suicide if all they hear is they're a product of evolution They are product of chance Why not take your life? What's the purpose of even living? But if you insert God into that picture and people realize that their life is valuable, that they are made in God's image. They are not, they are not a product of evolution that gives meaning and purpose to life. And there, there was an event, uh, they raise money at a softball tournament every year in August. And the mayor of Farmington Hills asked me to speak at that event. And it was ironic that day because I talked about Esther and how God had raised her up for this purpose. And I said, when it comes to living on this planet, God has a reason for you being here. And he has a reason for me being here. And I I just spoke for about three minutes. Later that day, I found out that there was a man who came to play in that softball tournament who was going to take his life that day. But he came and he heard what I had to say, simply presenting a story from the Bible that touched his life and he decided to not take his life but to get help. And when the mayor found out, he was ecstatic. He was just so happy that, uh, that I had made that presentation. And it really, it was just a very simple talk, but it was something that touched that life when, when it was needed. So I'm involved in the suicide awareness for everyone.
0: So Ralph, I wonder um, if you think about a young pastor, maybe a young church planter. I mean, you guys have been at this for thirty-some years. You kind of probably had some bumps along the way. You kind of learned some things. But a young pastor hears this and says, "Wow, I, I'd love to be involved in a church like that." But I mean, look at all the things he's doing. You know, I'm trying to I'm trying to figure out how to preach twice and do Sunday school, and I don't even know that I could do half of that. What encouragement would you give, not just for you as a pastor, but just a congregation as a whole, a young pastor or church planter aspiring to these types of things, but, but looking at everything that's in front of him and a busy pastoral life? Any any thoughts come to mind, either, either specifics or just general encouragements about how to think about the early part of that ministry and kind of take a, a long-range plan to get to where your church is more intentional I would suggest that unless we have leadership
1: in a church, in a launch for a new church plant, unless there's leadership outside of the pastor, that that church shouldn't start until there is leadership in place. And I would encourage the young pastor to use the gifts to delegate teaching responsibilities, Wednesday nights, growth groups, Bible studies, prayer times, I would encourage people to Uh, get involved, encourage him to get people involved in the ministry right off the start. That will free up a lot of his time. Now, I understand Sunday mornings and Sunday nights, and we've had the discussion, you know, at the denominational home missions committee level, you know, at the uh, conferences and the, the rechex conferences, we've had those discussions like, well, should they have an evening service when they first launch? And our church has had evening services, and it hasn't had evening services. It's dependent upon the needs and the ability to help at the time. If we didn't have an evening service, we would have a youth group gathering at our house, uh, something that was lower key, not as much uh, demand and preparation. And when that grew and the church grew, we then went into an evening service. And there are opportunities that we have as pastors to still carry out our responsibilities, but yet delegate some of that and also Take on things, as I said, like a Sunday night youth gathering that would hardly be any preparation, but it's opportunities to, to share the gospel and um, have people bring their friends. We had one of the most powerful youth groups, I should say college and career, back in the uh, early uh, 2000s, late 1999s. We had, um, I bet at any given time, we had uh, 15 to 25 college-age kids in our home. And I remember one time there was a, a man who came with his wife. They were they were just out of college. Neither one of them were Christians. And he he was sitting there, and he was closer to the gospel, but his wife just said, you know, I don't even understand what you guys are talking about. And I stopped the lesson, and I said, how about if we just answer any questions you have? We've got a lot of people in this room. Everybody's gone through your experience. How can we help you? And she said, well, first of all, I don't even know who Jesus is. I don't know what sin is. And and that girl made a profession of faith that night. And (laughs) as I said, that transforms groups when you see that. And you know, Brad, I don't want to uh, miss the point as well that um, the young people in our church, I know I stated this earlier, but the young people, when they see that, it transforms them. And we've had so many young people who've grown up in our church, make a profession of faith. You know, we've been here, as you, as you mentioned, decades. It's been 30, this will be 30, starting 34 years in April. And those young people have grown up and married Christian uh, spouses, and they've raised, they're now raising their children. Some of them at our, are at our church still, and they love it here. And it's just exciting to see that generational stuff where it's, a lot of it is because of professions of faith in Christ and seeing what God can do.
0: If I recall, you guys have planted at least a couple churches. I can't remember if it's like two or three churches. I wonder if you have any thoughts about church planting in particular, if you guys are intentional about outreach and evangelism from the start of the church. I assume as you cultivate a core group and plant, there's some intentionality there. Any thoughts of the specifics of a core group going out for a church plant, how you kind of um, make sure and encourage that evangelism and outwardness is really a staple at the start of that group? Are you looking for anything in particular in the group or in the leadership, or just how do, how do you think about that? I assume it's there's some intentionality there.
1: Yes. Um, there have been three churches that we've been involved with uh, to various degrees. If I call a church a daughter church, what I mean by that is we give them money we give them people and we give them leadership. That would be a daughter church, all three of those things combined. Uh, those daughter churches, uh, there, there was one like that. That was Province OPC and Royal Oak. They're now in Southfield. Um, we made sure that the people who were going in that direction uh, to help launch that church were people who had an intentional desire to reach the community and the leadership did and um it's it's exciting to see that when it happens there are other plants that we've done um the covenant opc in london ontario we had three or four families driving every sunday from london ontario a two-hour drive to our church um after about a year and a half of that we said let's help you guys get a church started so uh some people on this uh, podcast listening might remember uh, our dear brother, Trip Martin. He was involved heavily in that early on, uh, driving out there uh, to help them. And Trip had a huge heart for the Lord and for outreach and evangelism. In fact, he helped me teach some of those classes early on on evangelism. So we didn't give them any more people, obviously, because nobody was going to drive from Farmington Hills to London. But we gave them you know, families as our blessing and we uh, gave them money to help them get started. Uh, I would call that a sister church. The other sister church was uh, Covenant OPC in Brighton. We gave them people. At the time, we didn't have any money. Our church was like uh, a teenager having babies. They can do it, but it's not a real good idea. Um, (laughs) So we were bleeding uh, internally. Uh, We were losing families because, every you know, and at that point, there was a lull in the economy. And we went from... We were up to 170 people about eight years into the ministry and between starting two churches and uh, the economy dropping and people moving out and then this group wanting to start in Brighton, we were down to about 60 people and um, it really uh, gutted us. So at that point, uh, our session said, let's just concentrate on growing our church. We'll move forward with that. And then once we get to the point where we can start another daughter church, we will. So, yeah, it's important to make sure that uh, churches are starting out on the right foot with the right motivation. And that attracts other people. Um, you know, Brad, I, 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 I'll, I'll go ahead and bring this up. A lot of OP churches start um, with people who aren't happy where they are. And when you start a church with that, you know, they say, well, we're not Baptist. We're not Armenian. We're not this. We're not that. I want to know what you are. I want to know the positives of this ministry. Why would I want to become part of this uh, church plant? And it's really important for people to have that vision. And uh, I I see that in every area of life. Uh, We can't just live in the
0: negative. We have to give the positive reasons why we're here. And that attracts people. So thanks, Ralph. That's really helpful. I think our listeners will appreciate a number of your thoughts. Thanks for being kind of open about those things, and and we're really glad you took the time today. Brad, I am encouraged to know that our Fellowship of Churches is
1: interested in reaching out. It, It really warms my heart to know that there are young men who want to go into ministry who have a heart for the lost. There's nothing more powerful than lifting up Jesus when he said, if he is lifted up, he will draw people to himself. And the reality is that he does that. When he's preached and proclaimed, people come to him. And uh, I'm just excited to know that you're doing the podcast, that the uh, Home Missions Committee is working on getting helpful information uh, to our uh, other churches and uh, young pastors and ministry. So thank you.
0: That's it for today's episode. You can go to the website at outwardopc.com to check out more resources and you can sign up for our email list, where you will receive notifications when new things are available. Until then, we'll see you next episode.